Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about Into the Breach. Into the Breach, a turn-based strategy game. I've written here, think grid-based XCOM with mechs. I'm just going to be nitpickier now and say, when is XCOM not grid-based? I'm just going to be nitpicky now and say, how is this XCOM? <laughs> I'm just being rude. It's okay. It's okay. I, I think if XCOM is your touchstone for a turn-based tactical battle game, then fine. But I would say it's... It's like if you put XCOM in a pan and then put it on the stove and reduced it, you know, into a thick syrup. It's it's like a really concentrated, just the tactical battles game crossed with Slay the Spire. You know, so all the enemies telegraph what they're going to do before they do it, and then you have your turn to respond to it. Although, I think it's a case of convergent evolution, but it might just be that they saw Slay the Spire and were like, that's a good idea, let's copy it. Because Slay the Spire did come out the year before. But they've been working on this a long time. Yeah, they've been working on this a long time, so... I do wonder if the telegraphing the attacks thing was just like, it's time had come. You know, like, because... It's a really good idea from a game design point of view. It it really changes a lot of games from being, you know, very random to suddenly you can really plan. And now if you fail, it's on you. Yeah, it actually seems quite, actually, it's unfair to the um, the AI, but it actually seems very fair to the, to the player. Yeah, it's definitely very unfair to the AI. This is this is another interesting thing where you think like, wow, I would love a multiplayer version of this. But actually, no, you wouldn't, because one of you would have to be the gimp, you know? <laughs> one of you would have to be the one who he says like, um, I'm going to hit you in the face. <laughs> and the other person would be like, a block. A block. So it works really well when your opponent is an unfeeling AI, at least I assume they're unfeeling, one day there'll be neural nets and then it'll be unethical. The funny thing, I can tell you always about competitive play. We can do this cooperatively as well, multiplayer. Oh, I hadn't, I'm working together. <laughs> what a novel idea. So, Interbreach has been out for a long time, actually. So it came to Windows in Feb 27th, 2018, and then Switch august 28th and only recently like in july it came to mobile july 2022 
Yes, July 2022, as part of a Netflix deal. And there's no non-Netflix version. Yeah, it is wild to me that the only way to play this game on mobile is to have a Netflix subscription. I mean, it's great because I've got a Netflix subscription, or my sister does. <coughs> but yeah, you just boot up the game, you sign into your Netflix account, and then you can play. It's great. Although, actually, one downside I discovered, of course, is that if you're on the London Underground, where there's no data, and you fire up the game, you can't play it because it can't log into Netflix. But once it's logged in, it's fine, right? Yeah, once it's logged in. So you just have to remember, start up the game before you go into the depths of the earth, and then you can play it on the train. And then as part of this recent release, they've they've added the, it's the advanced edition update. Yeah, just like they did for FTL. They released a free advanced edition update, which is basically as much as an expansion pack. You know, like they could definitely have charged for this, but they didn't because they're nice people. They made too much originally. They made too much. Yeah, maybe that too. You can't say that. There's never enough money. (laughs) He's back. So they added more scenarios, more islands, more squads, and a new unfair difficulty level. And this is all stuff I didn't get around to. I mean, we can talk about it later. Hmm. Sure. So this game was your pick. Yeah, it was. And it's been in your backlog for a while. It has been. It's been free for a while. Oh, yeah, because, uh, yeah, you're right. This has been on Epic several times as well, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been the Epic free game of the week. Have you bought this game or did you get it as part of the Epic free game? I, I bought this game on release. Like, I bought this game day one because I really liked FTL. But, well, we can talk about this in a little bit. So, wait, this isn't a 95, though, on Metacritic, is it? No, it's like a 93, 92. Okay. Just checking. You, you just wanted to play this game, not that you had to play this game. Yeah, definitely wanted to play. Yeah. So how did we play this? So I initially started this off and it was going really well my first run. So immediately I tried to do a four island run. But actually, it's actually quite tough to do that. So, so you failed? I failed on the the last sequence. But I failed quite badly on the last sequence, I think. Well, the final battle, like in the volcano? Yeah, in the volcano. Oh, okay. So I just don't think I'd leveled up my mechs enough or in the right fashion to take on that encounter. Yeah, because I think that final mission is scaled to the number of islands you've done. So exactly, yeah. if you do a four-island run, but you have not been like keeping up with the escalation, then yeah, you could be outclassed by the time you go to that battle. Yeah, so I overspent on, I think, I th- looking back, I think I overspent on the pylons or just keeping that, the grid up and running. So now, given that, I just do two island runs. Yeah, it's definitely much easier. Because there's no benefit to doing a four island run anyway, other than, you know, to get a win for every different length of run. Yes. But also do the same two islands every time. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I actually know exactly what you mean. Like, I, I do think two of the islands are significantly easy. Which ones do you do? Which ones do you do? The first two, the... Yeah, the 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 archive one, which is the one with, like, Blow the Dam and whatever. Yep. Because that, one, you know, that one's got, like, the Tidal Wave mission, which is, like, really easy. And then the Desert's also got the Cataclysm mission, which is really easy. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength there. And I don't know how, how this compares to you, but... I did I did around 20 runs, and each run takes around two hours for me. Long? 
It is long. So you've played about 40 hours. Oh, yeah. And you finished it with... Three squads. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just can't... I, I... I thought you were better than this, Ting. <laughs> I, I tell you, look, I will explain myself in a few paragraphs. In a few do paragraphs. You, do you get to play it in one... Because the game actually is very good at just letting you quit and then pick up right where you left off. So, yes. So you're, you're not playing these all in one sitting, though, are you? No, no, I'm not. Okay, okay. Fair enough. So, by contrast for me, yeah, I, I mentioned I played this game right when it first came out. So... I bought it on release day and fired it up and I did a four island run. I went straight into it. You know, I did the first island, the second island, it was going really well, did the third island. And then the fourth island, again, was going fine up until I think like the last mission, so like the defend the corporate HQ mission. And I just like catastrophically screwed up. I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention or it was getting late at night and I just made a mistake and they just cascaded into each other. And I, I literally lost all my grid power. And, like, I had, like, really high grid defense, too, from what I recall, but just, like, it never procced, and I just lost everything on that last mission of the fourth island. And I was like, screw this game. Shut it down for the night. The next day, which would be March the 1st, I think I did fire up, start a new game, look at it for, like, five minutes, and I was like, you know what, I'd rather play Slay the Spire. And I just went off and played Slay the Spire. Because, you know, they scratched the same itch for me. They were like an enemy's telegraph their attacks, and you have to, like, respond to it in a puzzly way. So I didn't play this game since then until you named it the Book Club game. Literally, my Steam showed that I had played, like, four hours and last played March the 1st, 2018. But I've now played 50 hours on PC... And I don't know how many on mobile, to be honest. I'm not sure at all. But between PC and mobile, actually not even between them, on PC I have unlocked every squad. And I think between PC and mobile I have unlocked every achievement. Wow. On PC I'm just missing four coins, which are the three for the Steel Judoka squad, because I haven't played that one on PC, although I have unlocked it. And one coin for one of the custom mech achievements. I can't remember which one it is. And you've played more on PC than mobile, right? Let's just get that, that one covered. Yeah, well, it actually, it varied. I had played more on mobile than PC, but then I played a lot of it while I was in quarantine. <laughs> I basically just spent three days playing it in quarantine. And that's when I, yeah, hammered out a good chunk of it. So, oh, and I have one one game on Unfair. And you know what? It's like the mission starts and you look at it and you're like, what the f***? This is, this is unfair. And you're like, oh, I see what you did there. I, I did use a completely broken squad to do it. <laughs> like I, uh, I had one of the pilots is actually an alien from FTL. And they permanently, like every turn they get a new shield. And if you fire the cryo weapon when you have a shield, it doesn't freeze you. So you can basically just use them to take out one Vec every single turn, regardless of health. So that makes it much easier, obviously. So I was able to win on Unfair using that squad with that pilot. Using your own Unfair tactics? Well, if they're going to be Unfair, I'm going <laughs> to cheese it too. I do think it's funny, because you said 
this game would be a quick one, right? You said like, oh, let's do a let's do a shorter game after the monster that was Elden Ring. But you know, I've got a friend who's got over four hundred hours in this game, so this game's got some legs. But you have smashed out all the achievements in fifty like 50 hours. Fifty hours, yeah, yeah, fifty hours, yeah. So what is your friend doing? I think he's he's just exhaustively doing everything. I think he's doing like every squad, every game length. But you got all? Did you get all the squad achievements? Yeah, but I, I haven't won on every game length with every squad. You know, who's tracking? Oh, wait, wait—is that an achievement in itself? It's not an achievement. No, you don't get any coins for a for a win. Is, is it not tracking two island, three island, or four island wins per squad? It, it it is tracking that, and it also tracks the highest difficulty you've won on. Okay, but you don't get any coins for winning. Okay, it just tracks it. So. Yeah, I assume this guy is for his personal, you know, personal sense of pride and accomplishment. Just trying to win with every squad on every squad length. And I know he's been playing on Unfair. Because I think he's done everything else now. I totally get that. Did you do any advanced content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the first, you know, like the first 20 hours or something, I played with all the advanced stuff off. And then after I played a good chunk of the game, I just turned it all on and have been playing with it all on ever since. So have you done all the advanced squads? Yeah, I've done, every, I've, I've done every squad. How long does it take you to perfect a new squad's run? I mean, not to blow my own trumpet, but usually I just have to do it once. <laughs> like, you know, I'm quite good at this sort of thing, you know. Now, now that I'm being, now that I'm being like, chest thumping self-promoting corporate psycho mic again i'm quite good at this you know i only had to do it once fine fine or worst case i will do two runs where i will do one run to get the achievements where because i'll have to build a weird squad and engineer some weird situation just to get one of the annoying achievements and then i'll just do a quick two island victory to get the win okay fine so let me uh, give you my excuses so I'm playing on mobile. I did find this much easier on PC when I played on PC originally. And it, was, it felt like a chess, but much more straightforward. But I think maybe that's how they want you to feel with the first squad, with your first run, no, first few runs. But playing on mobile, it's, I'm really struggling. There are so many elements I don't get. So, for instance, how the, how sort of, how the manic mechanics emerge how they interplay for instance things i didn't know will the will a flying enemy trigger a mine can i fire over mine does shielding remove the fire effect and then i think maybe on pc i didn't have any of these questions or doubts and maybe i was just checking the wiki as i was playing it whereas on ios you just have to yolo it and just i think this is what's going to happen and then i just get it wrong and i restart it so i'm thinking because it's on my part i'm playing more i'm playing more casually yeah, I, I I do know exactly what you mean because it is definitely harder to play on mobile for like a number of reasons. Like the UI the UI is actually pretty good. Like, you know, I'm playing on my phone and they've managed to cram in, honestly, a lot into that small space. But I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, internet, but I think there are still certain things you can't see on mobile that you can see on desktop. So like quite a lot of times I will be looking at 
you know, the stats for my weapon, I'll be like, how much damage does this do? And exactly, like, what are the mechanics of my weapon? And I'll mouse over the weapon to read them. And, like, as far as I can tell, you just can't see that information in battle on the phone. Because if you, you tap on the weapon, it just activates the weapon to use it. There's no way to actually, like, look at the weapon. Oh, you long press over it. Oh, do you long press on it? You just hold over. Yeah, you just put your thumb on it. You know, as I was saying this, I was thinking, I wonder if you long press on it. Damn it. Okay, yeah, so you yeah. can do it. Well, you can do it. I'm sorry, dating. You have one less excuse now. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I didn't know this and you did. We had all this inbuilt knowledge. You didn't need to look at it, Mike. The, the other thing is, it's just like, you kind of do need to... You know, it's like it's like thinking fast and slow. There's like system one and system two, right? Like when it's your turn, I don't know about you. I have like an immediate like system one, like I should do this. Yeah, of course. But then if you look at it a long time, there's often a better move. But when you're like sat on a train in like a crowded carriage and you're being jostled around and stuff, like I can't really be bothered to stand there and and you know analyze the situation i'm like i'm trying to pay attention to have i got to my stop yet you know yeah. other people are walking past you and like is someone going to snatch my phone <laughs> you know like you got to be you got to have more awareness of the outside too so often i'll just like make that first move and it can often be suboptimal so you know that definitely hurts yeah your ability to play as well i love this cycle where first thing you do is chastise me and then you come around like oh actually i know what you're saying ting I, you know I love that journey every time. Every time we have it. It's a management technique. <laughs> it's not even the shit sandwich. It's the shit toast. <laughs> Just start out with the shit. And then give them some bread afterwards. No water to wash it down. Okay, actually, one last thing on the mobile version. I am disappointed there is no cross-progression. I, again, I can understand why there isn't, because subset games would have to maintain some kind of user profile for it to be independent of like the platform you're playing on. But, you know, it can be done because Spelunky 2 actually has cross progression. But this game does not. And it doesn't even have cross progression across devices on the same platform. Well, actually, I mean, wait, 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 that's not true. On Steam, it does. <laughs> but, on, but on iOS, it doesn't have iCloud to sync, for example. So I was not able to play on my phone, you know, when I was out and about and then play lying in bed on my iPad kind of thing. You can play lying in bed on your phone. Yeah. but <laughs> So, yeah, I, exactly. Once you start on your phone, you just got to play on the phone, right? Because that progression does not carry over to any other device. Even wonder, on the same platform. I wonder if that is coming. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it does come eventually, but... So with that first squad, it felt super balanced and it always felt manageable. Let's go back to this, my first run. First few runs. I got the impression... <laughs> I really got the impression that I was attacking so that I had... So that I had enough capabilities to repel their attack. It was... It was crazy. It was like they were moving into spots they knew I could defend against. And probably wasn't how it really worked, but still very impressive. Okay, so hold that thought and let's move on to mechanics.
So, I think this game is incredibly well-designed, finely balanced. I don't know how to exactly describe it, but like mechanically, it has been put together extremely well. And your comment about how the AI attacks you, but you feel like there's always a way to repel that attack. I felt exactly the same way. And I was thinking like, how do they do this? Do they actually like do some weird probability space calculation, you know, where they're looking at where your units are and what your unit's abilities are. And they're like, you know, that narrows down those spaces that enemies are allowed to move in and attack in such that you can always repel it. And I was like, I want to look this up. Like, how do they do this? And they actually, you know, the, the devs from Subset Games did an interview and they literally said the opposite. They were just like, yeah, the AI just YOLOs. It just does whatever it thinks is is best. It, it literally just attacks to cause the most damage without paying <laughs> any attention to your units, your unit's abilities, even environmental dangers like, you know, there's a mine there or there's going to be an airstrike there or, you know, the ground's going to fall away. They didn't pay attention to any of that. They literally just like, what will cause the most damage? Do it. Which actually, if you think about it, is very appropriate from like a canon and law and in-universe standpoint too, because they're supposed to be like mindless bugs that are just kind of trying to destroy. They're like kaiju, rah, you know. But it's amazing that that simple AI results in this incredibly balanced game experience. And they said it's just because they put so much effort into balancing and tuning the abilities of your mechs such that you always have a way to respond. I wonder what we would have done. Yeah. Had I not read that it literally does, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, I probably would have been like, oh, we need to write some super complicated AI. You know, I would have done that whole thing I described to you where I'm like shaving off like probability and yeah, yeah, crazy. But instead, of she just she just designed better. I mean, I can tell you things I've learned this year. Game design is hard. <laughs> it's much easier. It's much easier to talk smack about someone's game design than it is to actually do it yourself. Just like many things in the world, right? Critique is much easier than actually bringing it and doing it. A- another thing that's probably connected, actually, is that you know this game has what roguelike elements like as people love to say I mean, it was even more fashionable i think in 2018 to say that and you would assume that means that the maps are procedurally generated but they're not so all of the maps are actually designed by hand to make sure that they're fair so i think they actually did say that for a while they had procedurally generated maps but it caused too many unfair situations where like things would be clustered in the corners and you couldn't like dislodge the enemies and stuff and so the maps are actually all handcrafted which is another thing that factors into the game always feeling very fair and balanced and then one other thing that i wondered if they were it's not it's not really like hand designing i was thinking like are they are they fat fingering it you know are they putting their thumb on the scales was the grid defense because you know you get a percentage chance for a building to resist damage and it's quite low it, it starts out at like 15 percent normally and on unfair it actually starts out at zero 
and, and as you know if you overcharge the grid then the percentage goes up but yeah there have been times when i've had you know very low like base level grid defense and it has like super clutch you know like i've i've not needed any you know defense for ages and then i've had a map that's going really badly i'm going to lose and then like boom it just resists at that, that that last critical hit and i'm like oh nice you know and i'm thinking like did the game just give me that one as a freebie was it like uh they're gonna lose okay let's just give it a hundred percent this time and then they'll have zero percent until you know the probabilities balance out like i was wondering that i think i think they call that sid miring the numbers or something it's just like fudging the numbers maybe that's not literally sid miring i don't know but i know sid definitely fudged the numbers at one point hence that name I think that's it's just another case of a really well balanced game in this yeah. case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't, you know, I was wondering if they were fudging the numbers, but it wouldn't surprise me if no, it's really just rolling the dice and it's just seeing patterns in randomness, you know. Because because it was important to me that time I remembered it. It's really interesting that the probability it's, it's 15%, no, on normal at least, it's 15%. I think they've chosen that number with a re, you know, that's resulted from a lot of playtesting. I don't think they've chosen that number randomly. Yeah. I guess it's enough that it doesn't make the game easy, but you've always got the hope it's going to come in in that clutch moment. Yeah. We talked about the islands. I cannot... There's so much game here because I would have... If you told me, oh, this game has four islands and they, they're not procedurally generated, I thought, oh, that's not enough. I didn't even play half of them. And... There's just so many variables in play. I mean, you've already you've said that this is the game I'd want to make. It sounds like this is the game I'd want to make. Yeah, yeah, because we we've had conversations offline about if we were going to make a game, like what is the game you would want to make? And then you've described a game to me before before we played this that sounded kind of just like this game. And I was like, are you just talking about Into the Breach? And it really is close. I mean, I'm not so worried about the core gameplay loop, but everything around it all the mechanics around it, sort of the achievements, the squads, the islands, all those variables, I really um, appreciate. Squads, variables, pilots, mechs. And things I've learned along the way, or one key thing I've learned along the way, is I need to abandon my run when my lead pilot is about to die. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, oh, clever. <laughs> it's like so cheeky. <laughs> Seems you know, obvious. Yeah. It's, it's an unwinnable situation and my pilot's about to die. I'll just abandon the timeline and send them back because they're already max level and I don't want yeah. to start again. Yeah, clever. I mean, it would be cleverer if you didn't need to do that, just saying. But <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, I think the times when my lead pilot has died, it's actually been because something happened that I just, don't, I just completely didn't see it. Or, or I've just like, I've just, it's when I've been not paying attention, you know. So, uh, so I would do that, but I often don't notice it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, correlating your failures and your successes, right? So like, it's going really well. And then I'll have a turn where I, you know, take some damage that I was expecting. And then I forgot that I was standing over a square that a Vec was going to emerge from. So I take one more damage and I die. And I'm like, oh, whoops. And then it all just collapses. But the word I've not used, you know, in all this recording is sloppy. It's really easy to be sloppy. And we'll come back to it because there is a pilot that gives you another go. But we can talk about that later. What I really want to ask you right now is, what do you think about the roguelike elements? 
because you're the one with that background. Uh, what do you mean by the... Okay, what elements do you consider the roguelite elements? Uh, the fact that your whole squad dies, you have to restart the run. You lose all your, you know, your mech upgrades. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just a new run. That's fine. That's just how these games are. I mean, carrying over a pilot from the previous one is just a way of, I don't know, balancing the game and making it easier. But you don't have to use that pilot. Like, you can always just select a fresh iteration of the pilot from, you know, the hangar. But, so if but you want to make the game maximally hard, you can do it. What What's your uh, review of that, though? Of that being the only thing that pass, crosses over? Do you think that's too much? Do you think it's too little? Is it about right? I think it's just about right because you know you can choose whether to interact with that or not like if you if you really want to play like a really blank slate every time you can just choose a fresh pilot because i mean this is this is one of those questions about what makes a roguelike what makes a roguelite whatever because if you look at a lot of the modern ones that have become popular in the last few years they've all got meta progression and on the one hand, it's good because it makes the game feel like you're just always achieving more stuff and, you know, you're moving towards a goal. But it's also kind of bad because it means no matter how skilled you are, you probably can't actually ever win that first run because you don't have all the meta progression upgrades and you're like, you're not competitive in DPS or whatever. So, you know, I, I think this way of doing it is good. Like you've, you've got the meta progression of unlocking the different squads, but the game itself is not, you know preventing you from winning because you didn't play 100 runs and unlock like bonus damage for all your squads another thing the, i think the achievements are really well designed I, I i love a good achievement and the squad level achievements are really good as well as the sort of the meta achievements so like you know kill ten thousand, no save ten thousand civilians not kill save a hundred thousand civilians and then you've got the squad level ones there's the global achievements and then there's the squad level achievements, yeah. And they're the kind of achievements I like. The more achievements, the better. Like, I, I keep getting, I've never played Binding of Isaac, but I've got the impression that their achievements are everything. Yeah, Binding of Isaac has an achievement for every item and there's hundreds of items. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The achievements are, are well done. You know, that's why that's I was saying, like, it gives you that meta progression without preventing you from winning if you don't have the meta progression, you know, which is, which is good. And the achievements are also telegraphing to you how you should play. So uh, this, this is for the squad level achievements, you know, they're, they're kind of indicating like, oh, this is how you're expected to play this squad. Cause it will say, you know, like chain the lightning through 10 different squares or, you know, set 12 squares on fire. You know, that's, it's kind of hinting to you, like, this is how this squad is expected to work. And then actually, and then some of the, some of the global achievements are specifically challenge achievements. And some of those, oh man, some of those are actually quite tough. Like ones about like never powering a weapon mod or the one about never collecting a time pod is actually surprisingly tough because you have to well you have to do it for three islands so you have to do a minimum three island run and you have to proactively destroy every time pod because if you if you just don't collect the time pod well you automatically get it when the mission is over so you have to waste one of your turns destroying the time pod you know so that affects your turn economy as well 
can the does the enemy ever destroy if the enemy lands on the time pod square? Does it get destroyed? It does, but I don't think the enemies will ever move to the time pod square, or I've never seen them do it. They're just mid max, you know. They're just trying to do the most damage. So yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess they literally said that. But I, I've never seen an enemy step onto a time pod square or deliberately attack a time pod square. Okay. I mean, I've pushed an enemy onto a time pod, and that's destroyed it. But okay. I've never seen the enemy just move there on its own. So there is a a reset turn button. Do you find you're using it more than you'd you'd like? Actually, you know, the reset turn button is another thing that is harder on mobile, I'm going to say, that makes the game harder. Because I don't know if you've encountered this, but if you are in the middle of a turn on mobile and, you know, you, then you're at your stop and you just close the game, when you reopen the game, it will have used up your reset. Oh. Yeah. But I think that's punishment for closing the game mid-turn. Because they probably don't save the exact state of the game. They're saving the game like at the end of every turn. So if you end the game mid-turn, it just costs you your reset. Because it's like, well, you reset. At least that was my experience on mobile. You might be right. I've learned something there. Maybe I'm losing it on resets. Yeah, I, I've definitely noticed that. Like, I hadn't used my reset. But my train was at the station, so I just closed the game. Well, and then when to, I yeah. picked up again, yeah, the reset had been used. And I was like, oh, okay. So reading on Reddit, I saw some people were pushing for the, some people were really selling the pilot that gives you another reset turn. I want to get your thoughts on that. I mean, it, it depends how often you screw up. I mean, I, <laughs> I would say it's about 50-50 whether I use the reset or not. Okay. Because I will often, you know, when I'm using the reset, sometimes it's because I do something and I realize I screwed up because like I just didn't see you know, a problem until I did it. And then I'm like, oh, whoops. And other times it's because, you know, I I play out the turn and then I look at it after I've, you know, all said and done. And I'm like, wait, I could have done better actually. And then I'll just use the reset to play more optimally. Did you get any execution fails? As in, you fat fingered something? I mean, no. On the mobile? E- even on mobile. Ah, it's just no. me. There have been moments where I've, I, I, I fat fingered a lot of moves, but you can undo moves. Yeah, you're, you're fine with that. Yeah. So yeah, you can I've, undo moves for free. I've shot at my own enemies. My, I've shot at my 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 own mechs. Yeah. Whoops. But you you have to confirm it on on mobile. You click it, and you have to click confirm to do it for no, exactly can, this reason. You can tap on the same square again. Oh, okay, so you, you, you just like got cl- you just got jolted and you just double tapped. No, I couldn't. No, I just thought I was still exploring what, where I can shoot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm doing a move when I'm actually I'm firing at someone. I don't r- realize or recognize the context I'm in. Okay. Well, I'm just going to take a total left turn for a bit and talk about the design of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's get <laughs> just, in just, there. Just because I want to. Just because I want it's not to. A left so. Turn. I feel like this game, this game really feels like it was made by programmers rather than, you know, by artists. So I'm just saying this because I guess it feels like this game was made in a way that I would design a game, although obviously much better, (laughs) much, much better. But essentially what they've done is they've 
you know, they've got this base engine that they've put together of like units moving on this small square battlefield. And then they've they've just put in certain mechanics, like they've got, you know, like water and holes and flying and acid and fire and whatever. And then they've kind of then just done a depth first search, you know, like they're just fully exploring the tree of possible things you could do with those mechanics. So, you know, for like when it comes to direct damage, you've got all the different flavors of direct damage. You know, you can like shoot it. You can have a melee attack. You've got artillery that can shoot things far away, but not close up, you know, in contrast to the, like as the opposite to the melee, you know, like that's part of the exploration of the different areas of attack space, you know. And, and then like loads of position manipulation. Like, like they, they've just made that a major facet of the gameplay. And there's multiple different squads that specialize in different flavors of position manipulation. And then on the enemy side, similar kind of stuff. You know, there's there's actually not that many enemy types, but how easy or hard the enemies are to deal with will depend a lot on your squad. So like if you've got a squad that depends a lot on mobility, suddenly the webbing is like a big problem for you. Whereas if you've got a squad where like the mobility is kind of irrelevant, then, you know, who cares about the webbing? You know, all I'm going to do is fire more spider bombs. And the fact that I can't move is, you know, not a problem because the spider bombs are going to move. So, you know, those, the way all these systems interact just makes it this big, you know, combinatorial explosion of interesting situations. I didn't do the third island. What does freezing do? You, you've never done the third island. You must have well, played done, it once. Okay, I've done it once, yes. I've done it once. But I don't really remember what freezing does. So, freezing, it, it's kind of like a shield in a way, right? If, if something is frozen, be it your unit or an enemy unit or a building, it will take no damage. So, you can freeze a building just before an enemy is going to hit it. And then that building will take no damage and it will just break the building back out of the ice. Or if an enemy is about to attack, you can freeze the enemy and then the enemy will not be able to attack or move until it's broken out of the ice. And how does it do that? And so to break an enemy out of the ice, it has to take damage. So okay. if it would take damage, it will break it out of the ice. And then the other thing is, if you are playing as the Frozen Titans, who are the... You know, actually, I think most of the weapons that cause freezing in the game also freeze the mech that fired the weapon so unless you have a shield your mech will also be frozen basically the shield will protect you from pretty much all status effects so if you've got a shield you can fire a weapon that would normally freeze you with impunity and that's also why certain characters that have a shield are so powerful as the frozen titans because you can just use you know the the freezer mech just to one shot everything okay i don't know i just thought it's very clever but also very programmery which is I not a bad thing i can i can relate to this this is exactly what i'd like to do yeah it really feels like make the systems and then just like iterate you know keep keep cranking the handle and tweaking the numbers to produce different flavors of things and see which ones are good and keep them you know, like you, you can't just keep every single one because a lot of them will be rubbish or just not interesting. But yeah, you know, the, you can see they've made certain key systems and 
most of the game is just subtle variations of those of those systems. What subtle or unsubtle? I don't know. And then yeah, stepping out of that, how how do I feel like they designed the game thing for a moment? There's other things that are kind of interesting, like learning how to use a squad, like learning what the strengths and weaknesses of the squad are. Because like you know, the Frozen Titans one. When you first get it, you probably don't have any pilots that have a perpetual shield. So you might fire, you know, the cryo shot and be like, this is rubbish. So I can use it once, you know, but then you learn, oh, you know, being frozen is as good as a shield. So I should maneuver myself into harm's way to block an incoming shot and then fire the cannon like optimally i would freeze an enemy with the cannon which will freeze myself and then i will body block a shot but even if i can't body you know even if i can't freeze anyone with it i can still use my own tank to block a shot if i want you know it, it gives me loads of options or i can block vec emergence by just shooting you know by freezing myself essentially by firing a cannon even though i don't fire at anything i can just randomly fire it and that means I can block, you know, Vec coming out for no damage because them emerging will unfreeze me. So stuff like that where at first it seems really bad and then you realise, no, wait, it's really good. A lot of the squads are like that. You know, with the first squad, it's quite apparent, like, what it's good at. You very quickly learn, like, oh, everything's pushing and pulling. Actually, mostly pushing. But some of the later squads... It's not immediately obvious sometimes what their strengths are, but when you when you find out how to use them, then it's like, wow, yeah, this is this is good. Move on to moments. Yeah, let's talk about some moments. And I think I messaged you when I came across this one. My first encounter with a sign that does damage every turn. I got caught with this. I think this is always this sign always drops in the last battle. Yes. The, that, that was such bullshit. <laughs> I was desperate already. It was incredible though. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought that was really clever. I don't think I found this one that bad, but I remember being surprised because, yeah, it causes one damage every turn to your units. Fine. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I've got plenty of health. And then I saw it damaged the Renfield bomb as well. I was like, oh, the bomb is one of my units. Oh, no. Like, I hadn't accounted for that. I mean, it was still fine, but it was like the first time it happened, I was like, oh, I got to pay attention to the health of this bomb as well. And did you know that if the Renfield bomb gets destroyed, another one will get dropped? Yeah, I did not know this. Like, you've... 
So you've written this in the show notes, and my comment was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, it's so clever. I, I've the I have never had the bomb be destroyed. Okay. So, so what happens? It just drops down, and the timer resets. Yeah. So you just have to survive. I don't know if it's the same five turns or whether it's a reduced number. I didn't make it. Yeah, I don't know. The CEO or chairman just, oh, we've got another bomb. We'll just drop it down for you. That's it. That's that's what I remember reading in the caption. Like, yay, but not really good because I'm losing all my mechs. Wow. Yeah, I did. I did not realize that. I mean, I think that happened times when it's like, oh, I can save the bomb, but then I'll take fatal grid damage, or you know, I can prevent the grid damage but i'll lose the bomb like i think that has happened once and i was just like oh screw it i'll just reset it's doomed either way i didn't yeah. realize that losing the bomb is actually not game over but then you are losing grid damage you know you do run out of grid damage you do I mean, run you will- out of mechs so yeah, yeah yeah but what i mean is like i could have possibly recovered that situation i just didn't realize it was a situation you could recover from i didn't realize the bomb wasn't like game over okay it's quite cool they really do make it an epic battle. Yeah, I mean the last stand, the last stand is quite cool. I think it's funny because like you begin with just your mechs on the map and nothing else, and you're like, "Oh, this will be so easy." And then you're like, "Oh, we're too far from the power grid. Don't worry, we'll drop you some grid pylons." I'm like, "No, please, no pylons. <laughs> please, these pylons are a liability." Okay, I'm trying to think of what. Yeah, what were the fun moments for me, or what were the memorable moments for me? Like. One that I definitely like wrote down in my own notes about the game was where it was, you know, it was turn one and it was like one of the very rare occasions where literally on turn one, it seemed to be impossible. So it was like, wow, I literally cannot prevent myself from losing because, you, know, you know, there's like certain conditions to pass the mission like he was like prevent you know like the coal plant from being destroyed or something and i was like wow it is literally impossible on turn one to prevent the coal plant being destroyed you know and i stared at it for ages and i was like i really can't do this i'm just gonna i'm just gonna lose a star on turn one this is bs right played out the turn and in the course of playing out the turn i realized like wait a minute it's actually not impossible because if I shoot at one of my own units, it will push it one square further and then I will be able to move that mech just far enough to like punch this other thing out of the way, you know, and that's and then I use my reset turn and I played the turn optimally and I finished the mission with like zero damage and all the stars. So, yeah, that was one of those moments. That was one of the moments where I was like. Does the game analyze what you're capable of doing such that there's always a solution? It's just whether you're clever enough to see it. But actually, no, I think sometimes it really is impossible. It's just that most of the time, most of the time, it's not impossible. You've just got to think really hard, at least on normal difficulty. I think on unfair, it is literally impossible quite a lot of the time. But it's unfair. So, you know, you asked for it. Ah, and the other most memorable moment is I had been playing, basically my, you know, like meta game loop was unlock a squad, get all their achievements and get a win with them, be it two, three or four islands, depending on how it's feel. Well, often depending on how many islands it took me to get all the achievements. But 
because I was only unlocking one squad at a time and I was accumulating quite a lot of achievements, I ended up with like 26 coins or something. And I saw that the last squad is this secret squad and it costs 25 coins to unlock. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go straight to unlocking the secret squad. Yeah, the OP squad. (laughs) Well, so... So I unlocked it. And big mistake, because the secret squad sucks. It's rubbish. (laughs) It's like the worst squad. Is it because you've not learned how to use the secret squad? No, it's because the secret squad are a hot steaming pile of trash. Like, the the secret squad is like playing on unfair mode. The secret squad is meant to gimp you, right? Like, (laughs) so the secret squad, number one, they're like cybernetic VEC and they have no pilots. So you can't carry over your pilot from the previous run because they have no pilots. And that also means that if you had a fully leveled up pilot from the previous run, well, they're gone now because you've used the secret squad and the secret squad has no pilots. So I lost my like pilot who'd been looping like eight times or something. So that was annoying. And then, yeah, they're, they're basically base level VEC. So I think there's like, I'm trying to remember which ones there are. There's like, there's like one of the flying hornet ones. There's one of the, like the charging beetle ones or something. I don't know. But they have the VEC attacks and they have no pilots. And the most important thing is they have no achievements. So you can't even earn any more coins as the secret squad. So basically I had just spent all my coins unlocking this POS squad and I couldn't earn any more coins from them either. And then as a result, you know, and then as a result, I was like, screw this squad. I want to unlock a normal squad again. And I had to go and do a whole bunch of the horrible global challenge achievements or the custom squad achievements just to get enough coins to be able to unlock a normal squad again and then continue my, you know, sequence of unlocks. So that was memorable, but it was like a big mistake. Does the secret squad have like um, upgrades? It does have upgrades. You can upgrade their damage and and their range and stuff. Maybe they get powerful more quickly. I don't think so. I think they're meant to be a challenge. I think it's meant to be a challenge to win with the VEC. Okay. I I, got to admit, I didn't actually ever win with the Secret Squad. After I did it and I played like one or two games with them and just like failed, I was just like, screw this. I'm, I'm getting a normal squad again. You got any more moments? No, no. I mean, I share your first one where you use a push to get more movement. But, you know, if you think back a step, though, it's it's like they've they've tuned the amount of movement squares you start off with perfectly. Yeah, it's it's so very good. well balanced. It's really very well balanced. I do have one more question. When you try to pick out which section of the island to do, do you go for high vec activity? three or four rewards every time do you try to do what do you what do you prioritize so yeah i will usually always do the one with the most rewards because i don't think it's that much harder than the other missions and i usually will prioritize the ones that give stars over the ones that give grid energy although you know hot tip from the friend who's played 400 hours is that if you're playing on unfair actually you should do the opposite because on unfair grid energy that you earn from missions counts double 
Oh, okay. So once, you know, because basically usually getting a star is better because you can choose if you want to spend that star on grid energy or not at the end of the island. But on Unfair, if you get a star, you can spend it on one grid energy. But if you get grid energy in, in a mission, it counts for two. So actually in Unfair, you're better off going for grid energy missions. Cool. Do you have a favorite squad? I like vanilla squads. I like playing the soldier. So you like the Rift Walkers? Yeah. Well, what are the three squads you've unlocked? The first three. Four, no, four. At first, I've unlocked the first four. So I've completed so with three. The, well, the Rift Walkers, obviously. The Lightning Ones? Uh, let me just look it up, if I'm honest. Okay, okay. I think it's Blitzkrieg, which are the, the ones with the Lightning Chaining. Um... I've forgotten the name, but the ones with the big laser and Rift Walkers, the Rustling Hulks, the Zenith Guard, and the Blitzkrieg. Ah, the Rusting Hulks. Okay. They're the ones focused around smoke. That was quite cool. They were quite cool. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like the exploration of the possibility space. Yeah. Suddenly, smoke going from being an irritation to this is my primary damage output. They were, they were, I thought they were really good. The Zenith Guard are a bit annoying, if I'm honest, because you do the push and it does a, it does two damage to the enemy, but then it gives you yourself on damage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is, this comes out, okay, we're talking about, I asked you favorite squads, but actually favorite pilot. Oh, yes. So movement, you know, the maneuverable one. Oh, really? I'm using. My favorite pilot is Abe Isamu. I even know his name. He's the one who permanently has armoured. So if you're playing, you know, Zenith Guard, basically any weapon that does self-damage, you don't have to worry about the self-damage because he he always reduces damage by one. It's like so handy. (laughs) Because there's a lot of squads where your weapon does one damage to you. To be fair, um, yeah, I think I should change. I'm not really keen on my one i just thought maneuver because so many times i'm caught short so i like the maneuverability but another good pilot is is one where you're not affected by webbing yeah again webbing is so annoying most of the time yeah a lot of the time webbing is like the downfall of my strategy it's like great i'm gonna do this and then like the last vec move is like a webbing unit and it just webs my core unit and i'm like damn it there goes my plan Ah, uh, just talking about it i wish we can make something as good as this. It's so clever. Yeah. It's a good game. We just we just need to make the systems. This is what I've completely tried and failed to do for <laughs> over a year. Well, you want make, to make... Make the core systems and then, you know... But you're focused more like particle systems rather than like gameplay ones. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you play- that's the problem, right? You actually need to make a fun game as well. I mean, I do have this whole like bullet system that i was writing but like i didn't really make enough of a game around it i'll say yeah i think turn-based is the right way to go yeah well is ftl a, a turn-based game no ftl is real time yeah, real time with pause have you not wait you've not played ftl no i've not played ftl you should give that a go sometime it as looks well. way too janky for me <laughs> i think a lot of people say ftl is better like mass market how is that wise. possible 
I think How's FTL, FTL is better than this game. FTL oh, is more approachable, I think, because it's not turn based. A lot of people just can't handle turn based. Oh, is that why Final Fantasy VII is doing what it's yeah, doing? That's why all the new Final Fantasies are not turn based. Even though I, I actually think the turn based ones were better, but yeah, you know, if, when your game costs hundreds of millions of dollars, you better be as mass market as possible. Even though FTL is super, looks super janky, it, you think it's more mainstream? I think so. Is it just moving sprites, basic yeah, animated yeah, sprites? sprites. Well, so this game looks janky too. Oh, no, it, does, oh, no, it doesn't. It does not. It <laughs> yeah, feels it like it's, it's designed that way. Like, this is our artistic vision. And it's, this designed is what like, are on. it's designed that way. It's charmingly janky, but it really looks like, I mean, it's it's... But you can't say it looks 90s, therefore it looks janky. It's done that. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it looks one step up from programmer art. Like, there's very little animation. Yeah. You know, if, is, if, it if like need Square it. Enix made this game, you know, or imagine if the team that made Advance Wars made this game. Like, it would look so much nicer. Okay, fine. At no point do I think these graphics look crummy. No, they're not a problem at all. The, the graphics are very functional and they don't get in the way, which is actually good. But with FTL, without even playing the game, I thought that thing looked really janky. I don't think it looks any worse than this, honestly. <laughs> honestly. But you think it's better? Okay, that's interesting. I don't, you know, is it better? I don't know. I've played... Actually, <laughs> this is an interesting admission, yeah. I've probably played more hours of ftl than i've played of this even after this book club game yeah. you know whatever but i'm much better at this game than i am at ftl oh okay. like i have basically all of the unlocks on this right on ftl i've only unlocked like the first three ships yeah but to be fair when you play ftl it sounds like you it's like ftl before bed when yeah, i'm super yeah, tired yeah, i right. should be I'm resting not, i'm playing ftl at like minimum mental strength it's true and i just yolo everything i'm just like i know i should probably run away but i just want more lasers <laughs> you know i just can't help it yeah it's like i know i should buy the cloaking device but i can buy the weapon pre-igniter and i can shoot my lasers faster okay but you should try ftl it's good it may be free somewhere. I've I've actually got a spare copy, but it might only be usable in Hong Kong. It's okay. I'm sure you can afford it. You've got a job. But it's about the time. I can't afford right. the you time. You can't afford the time, yeah. You can afford the money, but not the time. Fair play, fair play. Although we've been talking at length about FTL, the next book of game is... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So next time, it's my choice. And I have chosen Neophyte, which is a game that maybe you've never heard of. But if you, you know, we've talked many times about like games I would like to make and definitely extremely high up, like basically at the top of the list of games I'd like to make recently, at least, is a roguelike arena shooter with cool synergies and whatever. And this is exactly what Neophyte is. Also, I know the guy who made it. It's like, this guy has basically achieved everything I was hoping to achieve in this past couple of years, you know. He just made this game and he's knocked out the park. It's very good. And it's had a fair amount of success on 
on Steam and on YouTube as well. So for next time, Neophyte. You've never played this kind of game, have you? I don't think so, no. So maybe you'll play it and you'll see why I'm so keen on this kind of game. And then we'll pivot and the kind of game you want to make will be like this as well. <laughs> we shall see. Maybe maybe you're just really into all the graphics systems. Maybe you don't care about how things work under the bonnet when it comes to <laughs> uh, back-end stuff, the non-interesting stuff. Actually, I will say another interesting data point is... Do you remember Geometry Wars? Yes. I was trying to recreate a lot of the graphical effects from Geometry Wars for a modern arena shooter. Like, you know, one of these synergy, blah, blah, blah type ones. And then I saw someone's basically done it. And I was like, damn it. Wow, they really, this looks really good. But uh, the game's called Gridform, by the way. And I think it does look really good, but I did buy it and play it. And I didn't actually enjoy the game that much. So just goes to show yeah gameplay is king good we were lost levels club we still are lost levels club please rate and subscribe to us on your podcast platform please 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 you can find us on email mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club on twitter at lostlevelsclub anywhere else reddit slash r slash lost levels club so michael what are you grateful for today i am grateful to be back in hong kong and sleeping in my own bed again after like five to six months away (laughs) i mean i'm not grateful that i had to pay for an empty flat for like half a year but (laughs) you know it's nice it's nice to be home it's nice to be yeah it's nice to be back So Michael says bye. Bye Bye-bye.